Good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being uh, part of our Millard, uh, Millard and Fremont and Omaha campuses. Today I posted on my Facebook site that three years ago today we were still under construction at our Millard campus. Today hundreds of people are in that campus and so we're super thrilled about that. If you want to be my friend on Facebook, I, I really friend everybody. So uh, unless you get really political and then I, I, uh, I won't be your friend. I don't even know what those things mean, really. I, I don't. Even, but anyway, um, today is a big day for our church. Uh, uh, f- our Fremont campus is hosting a an event at the uh, Fremont Water Park, which is a great water park. It's free tonight, seven thirty to nine thirty. I know it's kind of late for your kids, but uh, really, it'll tire them out for a, a week. So this is worth it. It's free. Now, we're doing this event so that you will invite your family and friends to come to to that event with you. Super non-threatening. Nobody's going to be preaching. No, nothing. It's it's just water park. So it's just fun. We're going to have a great time. Invite your friends to come with you, especially if you're in Fremont. Our Fremont campus is a big deal for you. Last year, we set the record for the most people ever at that water park. Uh, a little over 1,300 people. Uh, we were told they can get, we can get 1,800 in there. And so let's get after it and, uh, and, and make it super uncomfortable for the workers there. Uh, we are planning not to poop this year in the water. Uh, last year that happened. And, um, and so that, that's never, it's just not fun after that. It's just not, it really isn't. So let's, let's try to not do that this year. It's amazing how specific you have to get sometimes with people. You know, like, don't poop in the water. I got this note when I came into my office this morning. Dear Pastor Mark, I hope you are having a great summer. Hope you don't mess up on your sermon. Love your favorite little girl, Bethany. Well, she's a very presumptuous girl. And she's my favorite. I don't not anymore, really, but I think that <laughs> Bethany used to live in town. They moved to Lincoln, and, and we've all been thankful for that. So. <laughs> she can't hear this. It's like, well, you don't feel sorry for Bethany, especially if you knew Bethany. Why would you feel sorry for her? <laughs> One of my favorite shows I enjoy watching, and it's not on really anymore as far as I know, but it's the Fear Factor. It's a great show, and I love watching it, and people do stupid stuff. And they try to conquer their fears of heights and different things that's going on. And I truly believe that I would have won that if it didn't include food. Because they would put massively ridiculous, gross food stuff. I mean, I can handle like uh, snakes crawling over me or maybe, you know, like little bugs. But but if I've got to eat slime or some kind, like uh, anyway, because... I had some friends invite me to go to this wild game feed that they're raising money for uh, thing. And so we went and they also worked at Shucks, which is a seafood place and uh, specializing, specializing in oysters. So like they bring me a plate of oysters like, oh, dude, you got to try this. Have you ever tried it? No, I've never tried it. You got to try it. It's so good. Like, I don't know. It's like, no, really, it is really good. So. Because I am under peer pressure at that moment, I slurp one down. It tastes like snot. <laughs> the worst kind of snot. And yes, I have tasted snot. So I know 
I know. Like you get that stuff and a little, and then you swallow it. That's what an oyster tastes like. It's that disgusting. And they and so they came back and like, what, did you try it? Like, yeah, it tastes like snot. Oh, did you put did you put Tabasco on it? You got to put Tabasco on it. So like, okay, boom, 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 put a little Tabasco on there, slurp it down. It tastes like snot with Tabasco. It didn't help. In fact, now I'm burping it. It's so disgusting. Now, I don't know if you're, what you're afraid of. It might be fear of food or heights or public speaking or snakes. We had snakes on our property this week. Big honking bull snake climbing, you know, slithering around. Linda sees it like, ah! You know, and it went down into the rocks. Well, about two minutes later, there was another one. And, of course, now she says to me, we need to move. <laughs> I, no, no, no. The bull snakes kill mice, which she hates mice worse than snakes. So now we've named our pets, you know, the, the snakes, because they kill mice. We're afraid of mice, right? We're, uh, we have tick. We live in the country and we have ticks on our property. So we're just constantly like, oh, no, there's a tick. No, it's just a freckle. It's, you know, it's like, uh, you know. So we're super scared of all that stuff. And, and, uh, and I don't know what you're afraid of. Uh, I think we all would like to be more courageous in our lives. In fact, a lot of things that we do in our life require courage. Typically, when we think of people with courage, we do think of a fireman and police officers and and uh, people in the armed services, and truly those people exemplify what uh, men and women of courage are. They rush into buildings where everybody's rushing out. They hit, they go, for, you know, like, they're risking their lives every single day. And they have to muster up enough courage every single morning when they think, well, today I'm going to, who knows what it's going to be like, but I am not going to chicken out. And we know exactly what happens when, when our armed people, like they chicken out. So we need people of courage. But I would tell you that we all need courage. Every single day, if you're a leader, you need courage. If you're a boss, you need courage. If, you need, if you're a coach, you need courage. If you are a mom, you need courage. Uh, and again, I, I don't think there's anything more courageous than being a parent. You, you have to have courage in that because someday, and I know this will mess you up. You won't like to hear this, but this is what I promise you. This probably is going to happen, but there's no doubt. You will hear these words. You are the worst mom ever. And at that moment, you have graduated into parenthood. You are no longer their friend, but their mom. They're, you're their mom. Now, someday you they'll move out and they're like, oh, you're awesome. You know, but... but you have to have courage because if you want them to like you and be your friend, that's great, except you're going to let them do whatever they want, which is a bad idea. Kids, your parents, here's the, here's, kids, your mom and dad are smarter than you. They are, I guarantee you. And they're smarter than you think they are. I mean, they just are. And they've been there. They've done that. And they know exactly, right, if you keep doing that, this is what's going to happen. And so they will have to, at time, muster up enough courage to say, mm, that is a super bad idea. And absolutely, you're not doing that. And you're not, right? And you're going to go, and you're going to want to leave. Um, and you're going to be mad. But they're being courageous. They are. Amazing. All right. So 
Um, I'm surprised I didn't get an amen, but that's all right. Thank you. Thank you. Hate to beg for stuff. But. Okay, so we're mess- a new message series, Max Exodus. We know the story kind of like, right, of Moses, Ten Commandments, and, uh, you know, plagues and parting of the Red Sea and all that fun stuff. And, and, and yet, you know, Hollywood probably has not included a whole lot of stuff. It's very dramatic, very long, right? If you watch the Ten Commandments, you can literally start watching it and then go to a movie and come back and be fine, right? It's like, oh, oh yeah, it's still, it's still on. And so today we're going to start an eight-week message series taking a look at the life of an incredible leader. Uh, Moses is one of the greatest leaders ever on the planet. There's a great deal. And it's like, well, I'm not a leader. If you are a person of influence, you are a leader. Everybody, everybody can do this, right? Everybody can influence. So let's take, so we're going to back up before Moses even arrives on the scene because the people are, this is a, a, we'll see leadership here as well. Exodus 1, 8. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. Now, who's Joseph? Well, back up here. Joseph was a Hebrew who was sold by his brothers into slavery. Now, what brother hasn't wanted to do that, right? So they were going to kill him because they hated his guts because daddy showed favoritism to Joseph. Now, this should be a lesson to parents. That's a bad idea to love one over the others, right? And everybody, every child in that home knew Joseph was the favorite. Joseph was loved by his dad and got all this stuff, really cool coat. And they hated Joseph. And Joseph wasn't, you know, right? he told dreams and made, you know, and says, hey, I'm going to rule over you. They, and so let's just get rid of the, the they were going to kill him. But one of the brothers says, like, ah, we don't want to deal with that kind of guilt. Let's just sell him, get some money and get rid of him. So they did. Joseph is sold uh, to a um, traffickers who will take him to Egypt and sell him to a man named Potiphar, who was a high ranking official in the Egyptian government. Joseph was honorable and faithful and super smart. And he helped Potiphar a great deal, and Potiphar trusted him a great deal in, in his business. Potiphar's wife really liked Joseph as well, a little too much. And she wanted to be with him and have sex with him, and he said no, and she kept trying, and he said no, and she kept trying. And finally, she got so frustrated with him, she cried rape, and had him, they had him arrested and thrown into prison. Now, here is a slave in prison, he ain't going to get out. He has no leverage, no lawyer, no money. He is a slave in prison in Egypt, thousands of miles from his home. He, and nobody knows if he's, he, they all think he's dead. So he is not getting out. Well, he interprets some dreams for some prisoners in there. They get released. They, uh, the Pharaoh has some dreams, the leader of Egypt and a guy in his cabinet says, hey, I, I know this guy. He interpreted my dreams when I was in prison. You should talk to him. Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dreams. Yada, yada, yada. He gets released. Everything's fine. And Joseph is placed number two in command of the entire nation of Egypt. He had been a slave. Now he is a, a ruler. And he's incredibly powerful and influential. And ha- make sure that Egypt becomes the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. So he's a big deal. 
But now, years later, Joseph's dead, new Pharaoh, new sheriff in town. And, and he lo- looks in verse 9, says, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. So here's this new Pharaoh, massively insecure, massively powerful, and looks around and says, "Mm, this is a bad idea to have these Hebrews here. We need to enslave them so that they they will be powerless. Now, up until this point, they were not slaves. They enjoyed the freedom and the safety and the security of living in Egypt. And they had done well. They had done very well. Had good wealth and lots of family and kids and all that kind of stuff. And they worshiped their God without any threat. Now there's a problem. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed a brutal slave drivers over them, hoping, this is what their hope was, to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithon, and Ramses and as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptian became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy, made it even more difficult. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. So this is the new strategy to uh, control the population of the Hebrews in Egypt. We're going to execute the baby boys. We're not going to allow them to grow up and have babies, right? But the, uh, because the midwives feared God, so Shifra and Pua feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live, too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quick, we cannot get there in time. (laughs) What? I don't know. Just pop them out. Uh, It's amazing to us, but... And we're not, right? So, so God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continue to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, here's the clue here, underline that, because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, uh, but you have to let the girls live. Horrible, 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 horrible thing. So this is Shifra and Pua. They're fairly insignificant players in the game here. Midwives, they have no family, no influence, no power. They just have courage. They feared God. Now they were afraid of Pharaoh, but they feared God. And they decided to do what was right. We're not going to disobey God. We're not going to kill babies. We're not going to be a part of this. And if it costs us our lives, we're okay with this. But we're not doing that. Pharaoh finds out, hey, you've been letting baby boys live. What's going on? He's like, well, we, you know, and they make this thing up. Maybe it was true. Well, they just pop them out. We can't, right? We're not going to be a part of this. And so, uh, okay. 
I'm sure Pharaoh was massively frustrated. Was, was I not clear? Was, did, my, did you not understand? No, we totally get it. We understand, but boy, they pop them out so quickly and we're, we're just not going to throw them into the Nile. If you want to do that, you have to do that, but we're not, we're not doing that. How horrible, how horrible that situation is. Because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. All the time we're being asked constantly to make a decision between fearing God and being afraid of people. Most of the time, a lot of things that I do in life and that I've done in life was, uh, uh, that cost me dearly was because I was afraid. I was afraid they wouldn't like me or I was afraid I wouldn't get included in the crowd. I was afraid she was going to leave. I was afraid. And so I, began, I, I lived in constant fear. Not of God, but of people. Maybe their opinion of me, or whether they like, right, they like me. Isn't that what totally drives us in middle school and high school and college? I want to be liked. I want to be included. I want to be, right? And so I'm constantly compromising my faith over issues of just being, I was afraid and I didn't, I wanted to fit in and I wanted to belong and, and, I, didn't, and I didn't want to look stupid and I didn't even want them to know I was a Christian. takes great courage acts chapter 5 verse 29 peter and the apostles replied we must obey god rather than any human authority john fourteen twenty three. for they loved human praise more than the praise of god galatians 1 10 obviously i'm not trying to win the approval of people well that's unusual that's unusual we constantly are trying to win the approval and the praise of others i'm not trying to win the approval of people but of god if pleasing people were my goal i would not be christ's servant wow all the time we're being asked to go against god's will it might be from a boss who's asking us to do a few unethical things we feel uncomfortable doing it but after all i need a job and i don't want to disappoint or get stuck here at this level Everyone else seems to be fine with it. Nobody else is speaking up. All my friends are heading out of town this weekend. I want to go, but my tracker record has not been good if I do something like that. I'm going to end up doing something embarrassing. I want them to like me. I want to fit in. I want to be included, but I, I don't know what to do. My boyfriend keeps pressuring me to go a little bit farther physically. I really like him. He's so nice. My mom and dad even like him. He, maybe he's the one, but I, I don't know. I know if I keep moving this, my heart's going to have some regrets. I don't know what to do. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Put that on your refrigerator. Just learn that one. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. How many of us are there? What's required at these moments? Courage. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 says, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some Sadducees. So they're teaching, right? And they're preaching. This is after the resurrection. So Peter and John are after it, and they're trying to convert people to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he had rose from the dead. And that got the attention of the authorities. Again, the powerful people are mad. These leaders were very disturbed, which is 
putting it mildly, that Peter and John were teaching the people through Jesus, there is resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. Verse 4 says, But many people who heard this message believed it, so the number of men who believe now a total of 5,000. So the church is exploding in Jerusalem. Thousands and thousands of people are believing. And they got the attention of the authorities. And they tried to silence Peter and John. Now, months before that, it was fairly easy to silence Peter and John. Right? Peter denied Jesus three times and lied about it. I mean, he just out and out lied that he knew Jesus. What changed here for these men? Well, they saw a dead man come back to life. That gets your attention. No longer are they chicken. They're they're bold and they're, right? Because he's alive. This is way different. Many of us, Christ followers, live as if Jesus is still in the tomb. We're afraid of somebody, right? We should fear God. And by the way, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. I'm not, why would I chicken out? Well, I want them to like me, or I want them, I don't like, ah, right, I totally get that. The next day they brought before, the Peter and John are brought before the priests and the important people of the town. They said, why are you doing this? And why, you know, why, why are you teaching this? And why did you heal this man? By what authority are you even doing this? And Peter says this, if, if we're being kind, if, if, if we're on trial for being kind to a cripple then i get that but but um but the authority that we have to be kind to this man is the the fact that jesus whom you crucified is raised from the dead that's a lot of courage acts chapter 4 verse 13 says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of peter and john what amazed them was the boldness of peter and john most people cowered out they say, for they could see that they were, not, they were ordinary men. So Peter and John are just ordinary guys. Ordinary people. Not highly educated. No wealth, no power, no influence. Just ordinary people. With no special training in the scriptures, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Well, yeah, the, the crippled guy is walking. Uh, who did this? Good thing. Psalm 56, verse 4, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? What are they going to do to us, right? Laugh? Ridicule? Not invite me to the party? Fire me? Bash me on social media? Probably. Jesus is alive. There's a lot of pressure right now being a Christ follower. It's going to get worse starting tomorrow. If the President of the United States nominates a conservative to the Supreme Court, the attacks will be loud. It will be a battle. And it will not be about the government. It will be about Christ followers. Because if they can get the church to buckle, so they'll come and it will be loud. Or will we be people of courage and faith and will we stand for our Lord Jesus Christ on any issue?
There's a story about a teenager who went into a candy store. He said to the owner, hey, I want a box of, I want a $5 box of candy, I want a $10 box of candy, and I want a $20 box of candy. Hey, what's going on? He said, well, I have a date with a girl I really like tonight, and I'm meeting her parents, and I don't know, I was just a little nervous, but I was kind of, I'm hoping that, you know, well, let's say if it goes well, if she gives me a little kiss on the cheek, I'll give her a $5 box of candy. If she gives me a a kiss on the lips, I'm going to give her a $10 box of candy. And if it's a long kiss, $20 box of candy. All right. So buys the stuff and goes over to her house and they have dinner with her family. And and, uh, and dad says, well, let's pray. And the boy says, well, I would be happy to pray. So he prays this really great prayer, very spiritual prayer. And after he says, amen, uh, the girl leans over and says, I didn't know you were so spiritual. And he said, well, I didn't know your dad owned a candy store. <laughs> Sometimes our courage comes from the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. So I love this about the Bible. They just inject this into the situation. Like, it's no big deal. A man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. It happens all the time. It's just an ordinary day in Egypt with, a, with some Hebrews. Just hap- These people got married. Love that. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Yep. Uh-oh, a boy. Uh-oh, this is a problem. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Uh, right? It's just, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch and put the baby in the basket and laid him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Oh my. Baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. My guess is mom couldn't bear it. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to the bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw a baby. The little boy was crying, felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? Yeah. So the girl went and called the baby's mom. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I'll pay you for your help. (laughs) Just think about that. In a moment here, she had placed the baby in a basket, never believing to ever see him again as he floats away, trusting because she couldn't bear the thought that he would be ripped out of her arms and killed on the spot. And all she could do is just this. This was her plan. Now the baby's found by the, a princess who says, I need a, a woman to help nurse him. And, and there's a girl there that says, I can get you that. And goes and gets mom. And mom, okay. Every single person there was courageous. The little girl who says to the Pharaoh's daughter, I can get a Hebrew woman to help you with this and we'll hide him there. And as long as you are okay with this. Oh my goodness. And mom has the courage then to say, I'll do it. 
then she gets paid for that? Isn't God cool? How does he work that out? Everybody's trusting here. And then she and then in a few months time after maybe years, she gives the baby to her and she names him Moses. The freedom of the slaves of Egypt started not with Moses, but Shifra and Pua and a big sister. Courageous women who decided to trust God and fear Him rather than man. Maybe you're scared to death. The choices that you're leading right now are leading you down a path that you know is way out of bounds. And maybe you're being pressured in to do something that you don't want to do. Maybe your friends are putting pressure on you to walk away from your faith. They've been brutal a little bit on you. And they're loud. You love your friends, but you also love Jesus, and you don't know what to do. Just remember these courageous women. If they can find the courage to stand up, I certainly can too. So here we go. Here's what I want to leave you. Fear God and live boldly. Fear God and live boldly. Let's pray. Father God, I know that today, as we listen here, seek answers from your words. I pray that you will inject courage into our hearts. Boldness will be required to stand for you. On a college campus, in a dorm room, in a boardroom, on the playground, in our home. In Christ we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Blessings to you. See you you soon.